Aloha. Hey, this is Travis. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Here at Shorebrook, we're coming up to four years of ministry this July. Four years ago, a few families came out to Hawaii to plant this church, and by God's grace, we've seen transformation, church growth, people being baptized, and that's because of the partnership of the local church and those of you who have financially partnered with us. If you would feel led to support financially the work of the gospel of God being spread here in Kona and beyond, in addition to your tithes to your local church, you can go and give online at shorebreakchurch.com. But we just want you to continue to pray for us, continue to pray that the gospel would be spread and that people would come to know Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Continue to share it with other people. Grace and peace be with you. Turn your Bibles to Mark's gospel, if you will. Chapter 4 is where we're going to be camping out for today. And uh, aloha to you. How's it? You guys doing all right? Hey, it's good to be with you, even though our stage lighting is a little unique today. Uh, it's good to be with you in the dark, too. Uh, it's all good. I'm glad to be with We're working. We're working on some of those things. But hey, it's good to be with you. It's fitting for our message. It's a play on words. It's a metaphor. You'll see what I mean here in a, a little bit. Um, my name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Um, if you are searching for a church to put your roots down in, a church to be a part of, we pray that whether it's here or another church, that first God would lead you to a people, to a place, and that once when God leads you to that place, that that's where you put your roots down, that you are known and that you would be known and that, that you would be in that community and that you would be loved and that you would love one another. And, and, and we pray that, 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 that maybe you would make that this church, that this church would be your home. You're, you're welcome here. No matter what your story is, what your background is, you're welcome here. We, we all have our dysfunctions that we bring to the table. We're all in need of God's grace. So um, good to be with you. Thankful to have you guys. Hey, um, just so you know, um, next week, uh, if you normally come to the 8 a.m. worship gathering, or if you don't, you probably don't because you're here. Amen? I wouldn't go to that one either if I was... <laughs> if I didn't have to do this. And so um, we are actually going to be moving our worship gathering time next Sunday from 8 to 8.30. And this worship gathering will be the same time. So if that does, though, make it a little bit more feasible for you to wake up early and to maybe end up coming to that gathering Instead of this gathering, what it would do uh, come the next couple months as this service uh, will begin to fill to capacity, which it usually does during this time of year, is it will allow for us to have more seats at this service because some of you, we're hoping, might migrate to the, the 8.30 a.m. Pray about it. Take some caffeine while you're at it, and we'll see you at 8.30. Some of you, um, obviously not all of you, but we're just wanted to let you know that that's the change that's coming up. The service, worship gathering itself, still going to have gospel-centered worship, prayer, time of communion, and going through the word. Um, so that's not changing. Uh, make sure you grab one of these, uh, some of these business cards on the way out, by the way. They have our new worship gathering time. The old business cards, throw them away. They're obsolete. Um, you know, if you're like, I want to recycle them, just, it's fine. Th these are like, you know what, these are virtually, they're like four cents a pop for one of these. So don't worry about it. Grab a load of these. And when you go out to a restaurant after leaving a good tip, throw this in there, invite them to church, be on mission, use these to, uh, remind yourself that we're going to be having a new service time. So that's that. 
Something, an addition that we've been praying for, and we, we were hoping we'd have at this point, but we don't have it yet, is a student ministry. But we are praying, Lord willing, to have a student ministry launching hopefully sometime this winter. We got really creative with the name. I know you're going to love the name of it. We're calling it Shorebreak Students. So um, the reason why, that was a great response. Wow, I love it. You guys are sarcastic as I am. Um, it's great. So uh, the reason why we're calling it Shorebreak Students because it's going to be the student body of Shorebreak Church gathering together. So while it's not the most creative, it fits and it makes sense. It's going to be for junior high and high school students. It's something we've long, it's been long overdue, uh, that a ministry that we need here at the church. And the reason why we're announcing this is for one, that you would be praying for that ministry to, to hopefully Lord willing launch. And then two, not just pray, but if you have a heart for junior high or high school students, if that's a ministry you would like to be involved with in serving, mark it on your calendar, September 18th, 12 p.m. here at the church. Uh, we're going to be having a student interest meeting, which means not if you're a parent or if you're a student to come, but if you're interested in serving in that ministry in Shorebreak Students, we'd love to have you come out to sign up to be a part of that. You, your spouse, if you're single, that you're invited. We, we are going to be looking for people who may be interested in serving in that ministry. And so um, come, hang out with us. We'll talk story. We'll cast some vision, let you know what it's about. Uh, we already have a few people in the slot who are going to be uh, involved with it, and, but, but all those things still need to be ironed out prayerfully, hopefully moving towards a uh, winter launch of that ministry. So there you go. Put that on your calendar, September 18th after second service. We are in the thick of a series in the Gospel of Mark. The reason why we're doing this study in the Gospel of Mark, the reason why we take the time that we do to de devote ourselves to the Scriptures to see what God has said is, is that sadly, many people today, today, right now, are gathering in church and they are not going to hear the Gospel. They're going to hear good advice. They're going to hear um, good intentions. They're going to hear biblical principles, but they're going to gather today as thousands do. And some, yes, by the grace of God, they will hear the gospel be faithfully preached and others will not. Where they will fall into the danger of liking Christianity, but not falling deeper in love with Jesus. They would go to church, but they would not have an encounter. They would receive information, but not good news. And because of our modern day apathy and moralism, we've committed ourselves as a body, as a people, to study the gospel of Mark. We are saturating our lives in this gospel because we acknowledge there is nothing more our soul needs than to ding deeply from the well of God's word. And so that's why we study the Bible. That's why we make our way through the scriptures. And if you would now stand right now for the reading of God's word, Mark chapter 4. This is the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, 
it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has more, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we put Jesus on a stand to be displayed this morning for all to see. Father God, may your word through the power of the Spirit shine brightly in this place that we would not walk away from this gathering thinking more about ourselves or thinking more about this world, but that we would be more captivated by the beauty of who you are. (laughs) That we would stop being so self-absorbed or constantly thinking about ourselves or others, but that we would be caught up with you. Father, we believe your word to be true. We ask your word to do the work that only your word can do. That is breathe life into our dead bones and give hope to our, in our hopelessness. Father, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. What you see isn't always what you see. What you perceive with your eyes, even though you might be looking at something, may not be the full picture. Every morning, some of us wake up to see the sun rise over Hulalai, right? But regardless of what time we wake up, we wake up and we see this beautiful mountainside that we live on, that we gaze upon. And it's something that we become familiar with. Even though in the afternoon, oftentimes the clouds move in, it becomes a shy mountain, Hulalai, the shy mountain. Um, we, from Kukio to Keoho, you can see the same mountain, different perspective, but you're looking at the same mountain. And for years, like you, I stared at the mountain, gazed at the mountain. Like on some days, especially on the clear, it's like, oh my gosh, that mountain is so beautiful. And, and then um, I was invited with, with a couple of other guys to go up and, and hike Hulalai, which is like, okay, no big deal, whatever, we're just going to hike it. Let me tell you, that is a hike. It's not like a stroll in the park. You're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we didn't even get to the top. But little did I know, just from my perception of being in town and gazing up on this beautiful mountain and then being on the mountain were two very different experiences. Same mountain, but what I saw wasn't what I saw. In fact, when I was up there, if you've been up there, you know there's these craters, these volcano craters that are just, they're massive and they're huge. And it's like an ant standing next to a, like next to a cereal bowl. I mean, that's literally the perspective of how big these several volcano craters are up there. There's, there's pukas where there's even burials in, and there's trails to hike, and, and you can explore the terrain that you would not otherwise see when you're looking in town up at the mountain. So I became, sh- I was shocked. I was pretty shocked from looking at this perspective of the mountain and then being on the mountain, because there were different experiences. Same mountain, different experiences. And the kingdom of God 
is the same way. A lot of times in our devos, we can just be reading through scriptures like, yeah, 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 the kingdom of God. We talk about the kingdom of God. We pray for the kingdom of God to come, but often we just look at it and we don't see the full perspective of the kingdom of God. Our perception isn't fully the reality of the depth of the riches of the kingdom of God because what you see isn't always what you see. We see this unfolding in Mark's gospel, which is why Jesus here has been teaching in parables, so that some would have truth revealed to them, others would have truth concealed from them. That's the purpose of the parables. I'm just pulling that from Jesus' quote out of verse 11 and 12, where Jesus quotes from Isaiah. And here, in this, these parables that Jesus gives, until we scramble and explore the topography of these parables up close, then we don't fully really see. Until we experience the depths and explore and kind of hike and scramble on the terrain of these scriptures and these verses, there are truths and there are depths that are so easy for us to get, glaze over, and we don't want to do that. Life in the kingdom is shockingly different when we traverse its meaning in the parables in scriptures. It's the sublime kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is a sublime kingdom. It's a kingdom that is being turned inside out. The kingdom that you and I live in, the kingdoms that we build up for ourselves and our own lives are often, listen, they're the opposite of the kingdom. Of God, or they're different oftentimes. After all, here in Mark, Jesus' disciples are following Jesus, who thousands at this point are calling King of the Jews. Set up your political infrastructure, take over the Roman government, just be the Messiah, come in on your white horse. Let's do this, Jesus. And the King of the Jews is coming this time in the Gospels' accounts for now. Not on a white horse, but on a, on a donkey, which is an animal of peace, not an animal of war. A king who is not going to be seated on his throne, but a king who is being led like a lamb that is being led to the slaughter. Because what we see, what we perceive to be a, the kingdom and how it works is often different. These parables and events unfolding with Jesus and surrounding the lives of the disciples, it gives us glimpses into the kingdom. And so does verse 21, if you look with me. He said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket? Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. What's happening in this parable? What is this lamp? What is this parable about? Jesus here is talking about himself. A lot of times when we, when we read through the, the scriptures and we read the parables, we think, we insert ourselves. Okay, I'm the lamp. Or the lamp is the church. We are the lamp. But that's not really what's happening here in this metaphor Jesus is giving. The lamp is Jesus. And this truth is illuminated with help from the other gospel accounts where Jesus refers to himself in John eight twelve, 
Jesus is the light of the world. Light has come into the world. 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him there is no darkness. So this metaphor is a, of a lamp is speaking of a light and Jesus is a light. And so, so God has given us something. In fact, if you look at verse 21, a lamp is brought. So God the Father is bringing something to us. What he's bringing is a lamp and this lamp is Jesus. The lamp is the light of the world. And if a lamp is being brought, Jesus is asking this rhetorical question. Does it make sense that you would go to a store, a lamp is brought from the store, taken home, and then put under your bed? Just plug it in, turn it on, but put it under the bed and, and let the sheets hang over it so no light is shining out. What, per, what, what, what is the purpose of that? It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense that God would send, track with me here, his only beloved son into a world of darkness only to be covered up? Does this make sense? Jesus is the beloved son of God. In fact, God loves his son so much that even at his baptism, the heavens are split open. The, the spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And what did God the Father say? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus brings so much pleasure and joy to God the Father. And God the Father glorifies and brings joy and pleasure to God the Son. And, and the Spirit does this. It's the holy dance of the Trinity where they're glorifying one another, all God. But would it make sense that God would send his Son into the world to try to keep it on the down low? No. So what's the purpose of a lamp? I know this is simple. To illuminate light. What's the purpose of Jesus? to shine brightly before men. And not just to shine brightly before men, but in our text here, to shine brightly in the hidden places of our heart. This parable is revealing that Jesus' light reveals what is hidden, that when the lights are turned on, though we were blind, we can now see. We can have a perception of things that were not that we could not perceive, that we didn't understand, which is makes perfect sense by what Jesus says in verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. So what Jesus is saying is when the lamp is now on the lampstand, what has not been seen is now being revealed because Jesus has been elevated to the place where he should be because he's shining brightly before men. And he's shining in the hidden places of our heart. When the glorious light of the gospel shines in our lives, it's beautiful to see, and it's also sobering in what it reveals. You know, kids, when your parents like walk in your bedroom, did you clean your room? Yeah. Kind of like turn the lights off, close the blinds. And what do mom and dad do when they walk in? They open up the blinds and they turn on the lights and they're like, oh, it's not clean in here. That's often our encounter when we, when we have an encounter with the light of, of God. 
It's beautiful to see, but sobering in what it reveals. See, the light of the glory of Jesus, his lamp, shines and reveals his own character that, that Jesus is amazingly merciful, altogether gracious. He is righteous. He is sovereign. And when we gaze upon the beauty of the lamp of Jesus, it's amazing. We, his character and his nature is revealed to us. And did you know that while that light reveals the beauty of the lamp, it also and equally is the same light that illuminates our deeds and exposes the dirtiness of our lives. Jesus is a lamp that shows the beauty of God and the ugliness of our own sin. Jesus is a lamp that reveals the glory of God and all of his beauty and illuminates the condition of the rooms that are within our own soul. See, Jesus being a light, for if we're getting a fresh perspective into the kingdom of God, Jesus being a light is repulsive. Did you know that? It's repulsive for some. Jesus himself said this in John 3, 19, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Light and judgment, and this is the judgment, because man loves his evil deeds when the light, when the lamp is put up on a lampstand, people want to take it down. They want to put a basket over it or they want to throw it in the bed because their deeds are evil. And they, they don't want to be exposed, nor do they want to have to see the beauty of the lamp. It reminds me of that, that time, that story in, in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Some of you have seen the movie or read the books. The books are better, right? That's what I hear all the time. You nerds. <laughs> if you haven't seen either, and, and, and I apologize, every illustration breaks down at some point, but um, it reminds me of this time in The Hobbit when Bilbo Baggins, who he is the Hobbit, decides to go with these other people on a journey, and he's going to help them on a journey and, and, and because he's a hobbit, he's got giant feet and he's very quiet and he's small. And so he's quick to get around different places. And so being part of this, this group of people who he's helping them on their journey, um, the, I think the first, or one of the first or second or third nights that he's camping with them as they're on their journey, um, these giant trolls come and they begin to steal their horses. And so... Bilbo Baggins picks up on this. And so he goes, and because he's sneaky, he decides to take his first act of bravery because these huge, ginormous trolls stole their camps, their company's horses. So Bilbo goes into sneak and, and tries to be sneaky, gets caught, and then everyone, the rest of the encampment comes in, and they start fighting, and they're trying to fight these trolls. And then because Bilbo gets caught, they threaten to rip off his limbs so the rest of Bilbo's, they all have to throw down their weapons and the trolls take everyone, wrap them up and they're roasting them over a fire. And at this point, it's like, man, it's, it's over. But this is the first movie of three, so it can't be over. <laughs> and, um, and so it's happening. And right when you think, okay, how are they gonna be out of this? Gandalf, the wizard comes. And trolls, they live in the shadows. They live in the night. They cannot be exposed to the light. But here comes Gandalf with his staff. He stands on the rock. And as he's standing there on the rock, the, he breaks the rock with his staff. It's split. 
and the morning light from the sunrise, which was just behind the rock, shines through the rock that was split, and it makes the trolls into stone. It caught their deeds, though they were in darkness, and when the light shines on them, it, it hardened them. And the light exposes them. See, light is repulsive because light is judgment. Just like those trolls, oftentimes when the light of Christ is shine into our life, we feel the judgment because the light is good and the Darkness is evil, and we'd rather be in evil. Why? Because we're evil. We, by nature, are evil, sinful people. So the light is repulsive. So the dawning of the light of Jesus is hardening some people's hearts during Jesus' time, especially the religious people. They don't like Jesus, not because he does nice things or he heals people. They don't like Jesus because his light exposes their evil deeds. So what are they going to do? They want to take the lamp off the lampstand. They want to suppress the light of Jesus. And the religious people, they saw the kingdom. The kingdom of God was at hand. It was right in front of them, but they do not perceive the kingdom of God. They have not explored the terrains of the kingdom of God. It's something that is foreign to them, something at a distance, not something they have walked on, traversed, and experienced for themselves. And in Jesus' kingdom, it's very interesting here, What's happening? Those who were once on the inside are now on the outside. And those on the outside are on the inside. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world. So light is repulsive, and Jesus' light for others is salvation and refuge. John chapter 1, verse 4. And him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is the life of men? The light of the Messiah, the lamp of Jesus that is placed on a stand. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and check this out, the darkness has not overcome it. So do you see what's happening here? The same light, the same lamp that brings judgment by illuminating sin is also the same light that saves. Going back to the story of the hobbit, when Gandalf takes his staff and breaks the rock and the rock is split and the light shines and is judgment upon the trolls, that same light brought freedom and salvation for Bilbo Baggins and the others. When the light of the gospel shines in our life, the darkness cannot overcome it. And it shows the chains that have been wrapped around us. And Jesus sets us free from our own bondage of sin. No vice of dark sin upon your heart is more powerful than the light of Jesus. Do you feel the grip and the vice on your heart of the sinful, wicked, dark things you've done? It's not more powerful than Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. And guys, darkness has not overcome it. The light of Jesus overcomes all the dark deeds of our 
life, which goes to show that no scheme of hell will stop Jesus from shining his light, even though some men may try to hide him. If Jesus then is a light, if Jesus is a lamp, not to be hidden, but to shine brightly, how do you respond to the light of Jesus? What do you, what do, you do with Jesus the lamp? A lamp is not meant to be hidden. Is the light of Jesus life for you because it has delivered you? Or does it bring about a hatred in your soul that makes you want to put this lamp under the bed out of plain sight? Listen, there is either the light of Jesus or darkness in of the world There is no other light. There is darkness or there is Jesus who is light and there is no other light. There is no other lamp. There is no other way by which we can have life or be saved. May the light of Christ allow you to see the supreme kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but even as I was studying this, I'm haunted. Because the more I approach the light of Jesus by prayer, by meditation, by being in community, by worshiping Jesus with you all, I'm drawn into the light of Jesus. And while it's exciting and exhilarating, it's equally terrifying. Because while I see the beauty of who God is, I see the darkness of my own soul. And it's like, all right, Jesus, I hear you. I see what you've done for me. I see that you went to, that you suffered in my place, that you wore nails through your wrists and your feet, that a crown of thorns was crushed into your face, that you bled and you died on a cross for my sin. I see, wow, God, you are so amazing. And I am so See how I really am. It's like those, it's like those, you know when you go shopping like in the department store or whatever and they have like, or like the Mac store, makeup store, like Estee Lauder, Mac. Um, I don't know from experience, just so you know. I don't wear the stuff. But I, I've gone on date nights with my wife and I know enough that, that when you get close enough to the makeup section, there's a, there's, a, there's a light shining brightly. And then, you know, you walk up to the light and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. It's like really bright. It's like beautiful. And then you, look, and it's got a super magnified mirror, and then once your eyes begin to focus, I'm like, is that the face of the moon? Is that the craters in the moon, or is that, that's my face, oh my gosh, I'm ugly, right? (laughs) Women, that's how they sell you makeup. They make you look as ugly as possible in the department stores, buy some of these products, and then hey, right? But that's what it's like when we approach the light of Jesus. We see it's magnified, he's beautiful, it's attractive, and then we come up, and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm ugly, God. It's true. And oftentimes we...
trying to put on makeup to make us look more beautiful, but he, but he sees through it all. Jesus sees through it all, and this is our, often our experience when we are illuminated by the lamp of Jesus. It can be our tendency, no God, I don't want to hear any more about your majesty because it's already crushing me. No God, I don't want to focus on the beauty of the gospel anymore. I don't, just stop shining your light. Give me a break for a little bit because I'm overwhelmed by my sin. You know what Jesus would say to you? Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has more, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Hmm. This is not talking about works-based salvation here. But to the one who sees Jesus, the lamp, exalted, sitting on the stand where he should be, is the one who receives, and the one who receives, receives more and more. And to the one who rejects, he is rejected more and more. The one who receives, listen, the lamp receives grace. And when you receive grace from God, and you continue to press into the grace of God, you know what you receive? Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And his grace, his grace is fully available to you, inexhaustible in nature. With the measure you use it, it will be given to you. Preach the gospel to yourself. Allow the light of Jesus to bring life to your soul. Listen to me. Are you overwhelmed by the gospel's light because of your sin? Don't be repelled from his life. Be drawn to his life. Press in all the more because where there is grace more grace is given with the measure you use it it will be given to you oh you see the beauty of god and you see the ugliness of your sin press in more press in more don't do what i've done for seasons and times in my life where i look at my sin and i'm like all right, all right god that's, that's that's enough no 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 more Do not reject Jesus' light when he illuminates your sin. Press in further. There is nothing more we need than the light of Jesus in our life. There is nothing more we need than the light of Jesus in our life. What I love here is that in Jesus' kingdom, you are welcomed by his light. You know the religious people there was not provision in their religion for women, children, the blind, the lepers, the sick, the Gentile, the poor, the needy. They were not, they were broken fragments of a kingdom. But women, children, the blind, lepers, the sick, the poor, the needy, in the light of Jesus' kingdom are invited. Those who were once on the outside by the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom because of the lamp are being brought on the inside and many who are on the inside are being pushed to the outside. It's a kingdom turned inside out. It's a sublime, unique, glorious kingdom. Listen, Jesus' kingdom is different than your earthly kingdom. Have ears to hear this. And when the light of Jesus shines in your soul, 
press in more. For Jesus, he is the light of the world. What will you do with the lamp of Jesus? If he's shown you your sin, admit you are a sinner. That by nature and by choice, you have rebelled against God. That you were not worthy of salvation, but that because you've seen the beauty of who God is and what Christ has done on the cross, believe on the name of Jesus. Trust that you cannot save yourself, but the only life you can have is by the light of Jesus. Father God, thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that Jesus is the light of men and that his light is what ushers in that life. Jesus, shine brightly in our dark souls and the caverns and the cavities of our heart which need to be further exposed to your gospel. Jesus, we place you seated where you ought to be, high and lifted up. And when you are high and lifted up, you promise that you will draw men into yourself. So draw, do that work right now. And even as we're praying, as our heads are bowed and as our eyes are closed, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, confess your sin, admit that you're a sinner, admit that you are in need of his salvation and you will be saved. Find your life in the light of Jesus because there's no other light that can save you than his because only Jesus is light. Say you're overwhelmed by your darkness. There is no darkness more powerful than the light of Jesus. Father God, do this work. May we believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.